Adventure at Los Angeles 2023. Oh my God, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am John Scott slash Sadie Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls. Y'all know that. And we finished all those. Then we had to move on to the spinoff of the Golden Palace. But we watched all 24 of those episodes too. So then we were like, ooh, what are we going to do? Guess what? We're going to do whatever the hell we want. Wow, you breezed through that opening. I mean, it's, it's I'm, I've committed it to memory and I decided to make it more of a bit. Yeah, that was, I loved it. Everyone, today we are doing another Beyond Golden Girls episode where we cover the many film Special and TV one. projects, yes, that B. Betty Rue and Estelle did outside of the Golden Girls during the course of their careers. We figured... Like, what a great way to kick off the new year, right? <sighs> Would be to watch a performance that many of you have been asking for. And that's Betty White in 2009 box office rom-com smash, The Proposal. Is it really 2009? Yeah. No. Yes. Wow. Was it that long ago, The Proposal? Wow. Uh, for some reason, I literally, as I was watching it earlier today, I was like, oh yeah, Michael and I saw that together. No. We, I mean, clearly not, because I, I didn't know him in 2009. That's wild. Wow. I didn't know you in 2009. So wild. I, for some reason, I thought this was like a recent film. Um, this film, I love a romantic comedy. I love a romantic comedy, and I love a Miss Sandy Bullock. I mean, she is my top. We all know we've discussed this before. That well, I think we have, that While You Were Sleeping is my peak, like, not only Christmas film, but also, like, just romantic comedy in general that it we have talked about this it is my favorite rom-com of all time and perfect film sandra bullock although her character was different in this movie this movie it was giving me so many while you were sleeping vibes like a woman who we're playing a clip that's a there's literally a scene in while you were sleeping that we will play on this episode that is like almost directly from like proposal while you're sleeping. It's the same scene. Yeah. It, is it the whole thing about her? Like yep. she didn't have any family yep. and now she's fallen in love with this family. Yep. And yep. there's this whole like faking a marriage, <laughs> faking a wedding thing. But otherwise the characters could not be more different. Oh, but that's what's so funny to me is that you're right. The characters are so vastly different. And her character in particular is so incredibly different. And there's like that moment there's a moment in while you're sleeping where she's confessing the truth at the wedding, right? Mm-hmm. A spoiler alert, guys. There's she doesn't go through with the wedding. And she she's confessing and then she's like, I love, I love, I fell in love with you. And then the father goes, You fell in love with me? And it it just there's something about that scene, and she's almost in tears that like reminded me of that scene in the proposal. It's just, oh my God, I love romantic comedies, but I love Sandra Bullock in romantic comedies. And I kind of feel like out of all of them recently, she's the only one that's really kind of been able to do it successfully in modern memory. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, I feel like you see less big studio rom-coms these days. Now we're really seeing more, like, I feel like we see them on Hallmark and Lifetime for the Christmas movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely not seeing as many as we, we did, I feel like, in the 90s and in kind of the earlier aughts. Um, for those who haven't seen it, uh, the proposal is uh, about, a, a. this is the IMDb description, a pushy boss forces her young assistant to marry her in order to keep her visa status in the U.S. and avoid deportation to Canada. This movie, it was a box office smash. It grossed over $317 million worldwide on a $40 million budget. 
Sandy B was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. Um, Betty White in this movie, she plays. So Ryan Reynolds plays her assistant. Betty White plays his gammy. Yeah. And a fun piece of IMDb trivia. They said um, Betty White almost turned down her role for the film because filming would require her to spend 10 weeks away from her golden retriever. I honestly think that's why there was a puppy in the movie. I think there was a puppy in the movie. So Betty, because Betty White was always holding that puppy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is something I should also say, too, this film is directed by Anne Fletcher, who was Previously, I think she was a choreographer. And I love choreographers as directors because I find they like know how to place people in ways that are sort of really, this film does that a lot where like there's a lot of physical stuff that happens. And I feel like that's, that's, and she also directed the recent Hocus Pocus too. So she's a great, great director. And the writer of it. Oh, just talking about, I didn't know that the director was a choreographer, but the the scene where Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds run into each other naked was done like it was choreographed incredibly well. I yeah. thought just visually the way that it looked on screen and the editing, I, I thought it was great. So uh, yeah, that's really interesting. And also the writer of the film, it has a great record of writing great romantic comedies because he wrote one of the biggest romantic comedies of recent years, Crazy Rich, Crazy Rich Asians, Peter Chiarelli. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, so this has like rom-com gold written all over it. Like this is mm-hmm. like perfection. And the Betty White, of this film is it's like a Betty White fever dream in that it's everything like if you had a dream and you were like I wish I could just have a film where Betty White was like my friend and my grandma but also my mom and my bartender and the woman with me with me at the strip club like if you wanted Betty White to be everything in your life this is the film to watch because it gives you everything you want of Betty White literally everything slutty funny sweet wholesome like like saucy like everything literally everything it's everything yeah yeah you do get every shade of her which in all the best shades of her which was really nice um and i think i had already i told you and i i because you know you and i always text after we watch these and say like whether we liked it or not and i i stayed up till 11 o'clock last night watching this oh my and i was this is the first beyond golden girls movie that we've done where I was like so invested the entire time because I had never seen this movie before. Um, I love that so many things I loved about it, but I love that like the big boss is a woman. Her executive assistant is a man. The joke Those she roles- does about the secretary at the beginning when she's like, when she, when they, when she talks about being engaged to her secretary and she's like, well, you guys have been doing it. That's how's that working out for you, Mr. Whoever the guy. Yeah. Like, I love that about face. It's so good. Yeah. Cause the roles easily could have been reversed for a yeah. rom-com, um, you know, but I like that they chose to be a little bit more, you know, progressive about it. Um, I also loved the transformation of Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds relationship in this movie felt so organic and real in terms of there is, we have like three years of sort of this like tension and this, this dynamic between them and for it to unravel over three days, they didn't even really start like having a romantic connection until one hour into the movie, because that's how slowly and organically they kind of chipped away at that. And, you know, as Ryan Reynolds, the minute he stepped off that plane into Alaska and, 
and 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 he had something over Sandra Bullock where he was kind of doing her a favor. He was no longer her assistant. He was not like carrying her bags for her. He was like just letting like leaving her behind. Yeah. And and as she slowly sort of gets chipped away while being in this small town and kind of being more vulnerable, that's where you sort of see their connection. And it was just such an interesting dynamic that I feel like I hadn't really seen yeah. in, a, in a rom-com before. A really unique setup. That was done so film. well. Yeah, it really, it's one of my, I mean, I am definitely a, like a like a scholar of rom-coms. So like I, 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 I have a high caliber when it comes to sort of like where my rom-coms fit in. And this one is very high up because it is, I think, so unique and so different. One thing that I will say, and we probably should get to the episode because I feel like we have a lot to talk about in this episode, but... I do want to say a great YouTube sort of spiral from this film would be all of the, because to promote the film, it was primarily Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds, and Betty White. And they often did things together and they would do, there's a video of them, I think, honoring Betty White with something and she's flirting with Ryan and they're kind of like bitching to each other and then Sandy's involved in it. And like all, there's, there's so many great, there's a great presentation somewhere, maybe at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, I think, where... Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds are presenting something to Betty White, and so there's a lot of flirtation and weird things happening. It's just you just Google and YouTube all of the things, all of the behind the scenes. Do the behind the scenes. Those I remember watching. They they did a bit where I think it was like where Betty White was like a tyrant on set or something. It was like a whole joke thing. But yeah, I definitely Google behind the scenes stuff. So enjoy. Um, Yes, we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Let's take a quick break and time right now. She's an executive editor in chief at a New York City book publishing company. And like she looks the part. She's got like that high, sleek ponytail, the really like pencil skirt fitting. Yeah, the pencil skirt, the power suit of it all, the heels. Um, She's just, and she's so good. And everybody in the office, they're all like scared of her. They warn each other when she comes around. Um, because she's like, you know, she's kind of a bitch, I guess. Yeah. 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 And so, um, so yeah, she basically finds out that, um, she's going to be, uh, deported back to Canada because her visa, she's having troubles with it. And she just like, can't be bothered with stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting about the whole Canada thing is that, I mean, and the cynical part of me would respond to that being like, lady, you're rich. You, this company will figure out, this company must have some sort of British division or something you can go do like for a year. Like y'all could figure something out. You're so, well, so wealthy. Yes, she's but rich they, and they wealthy. They make it believable. Well, but in what they say is that, um, cause she's like, oh, I'll just work remotely from Toronto. You know, I'll use the internet. And it's so funny. That's how I could tell some of it was dated is that she's like, I'll just use the internet. And then there's another joke later where they're like, I'm going to take a video of you and upload it on, what was that site again? And he goes, YouTube. And she's like, yeah, YouTube. And I was like, oh, this feels kind of old. Um, but they say, um, her boss says that she, can't, so it sounds like they don't have another office and that she 
um, can't work from Toronto because the company won't allow them to like have her on payroll and hire her if she's not a citizen which is, or, or doesn't have a work visa. Which is where in any other situation with different actors, I probably would be like, bullshit. Because of course this company, if they have, a, if they have an author that's going to be meeting with Oprah, they have a London office. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that's such a carry thing for you to point out yeah i hear you if they're meeting with oprah and that's but because it's sandy and ryan i don't even care i believe it please yes yeah, so you know her doting assistant ryan reynolds who's in the room um during this meeting she sandra bullock's like actually don't worry about it because the two of us we are engaged and we're going to be getting married so i'm going to be a citizen and we don't need to worry about this anymore and Ryan Reynolds, so his character, and again, like neither one of them felt like caricatures, which I really appreciated. Ryan Reynolds is this guy who like, he is her assistant and he kind of hates her, but he kind of tolerates her, but yeah. he is there because he just wants to be promoted to become an editor because he's written this manuscript that he, you know, he's really proud of. So I guess he wants to be an editor and a published writer. Yeah. Um, so Sandra Bullock is basically like, Hey, uh, if you want to be an editor, uh, you better help me out here because if I'm fired, then the guy that they're putting in charge who we just pissed off is definitely going to fire you. And that hard work that you've been doing for the last three years to try to, you know, make in this company is going to be all down the tube. And I have a question for you. So when did you, I don't know if you do, but when did you start liking Ryan Reynolds? Just Friends. Just Friends, really? Okay, interesting. We just recently uh, watched Just Friends, or at least we started to, and then maybe I fell asleep. Um, I I had never really been a Ryan Reynolds fan, necessarily. Like, I wasn't, like, I, don't, I just didn't care about him. I thought he was a nothing actor. I thought he was a filler actor. You know what I mean? And then, with the proposal, all of that changed. And I was like, oh, Ryan Reynolds, he has something. He's funny. He has delivery, but he also holds his own against a, a megawatt star with like Sandra Bullock, which was very mm -hmm. impressive to me. What I enjoyed about this Ryan Reynolds was that, you know, if you look at like Deadpool Ryan Reynolds, even maybe just friends Ryan Reynolds, he can be a little big at times. Mm -hmm. And in this, I felt like as an actor, he was so restrained yeah. and it really just... It gave me the impression that you that that his character he really was someone who just had so much on his shoulders, mm. and then like his whole attitude when he, he he's almost like so resigned, but he's yeah. still so funny. So funny. Um, it, it, and, and he was really great on this. We should, even though we should, we should never ever do a Beyond Golden Girls for the film Deadpool, which you know we shouldn't, but we should acknowledge that Ryan Reynolds wanted to wear that B. Arthur shirt in. Deadpool and he personally paid for the copyright use for that shirt from what I've read and rumors and stuff online and everything. So who knows if that's actually true, but I'm, I, I want to believe that it's true. And that means Ryan Reynolds is a friend of the podcast. He's a friend of the pod. Well, yeah. also his katanas, I think like his giant swords, Deadpools are named B and Arthur. Oh, so. that's so cute. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. I enjoyed Deadpool, but anyway. Back I love, I love Deadpool. We, on IMDb, we interviewed, read the writers and I was like, guys, this is, this is a great, great, hilarious freaking superhero movie. Um. So anyway, so Sandy and Ryan go to the immigration office and the guy right away is like, Froud. 
He's like, I don't believe you guys. This is I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to dig in here. It reminds um, me of On Will and Grace when uh, Jack was marrying uh, Grace's not Grace's marrying Karen's maid. And right. And th this Rosie. whole scene reminded me. Yeah, it's yes. Yeah, so it's so great. So the guy's like, yeah, look, um, I don't believe that you're a couple, uh, but you're going to come back here basically in like four days and you're going to have to pass a crazy series of interrogations and interview questions in separate rooms. And if you fail these questions and I think that you're lying, which I know that you are like Sandy, you're going to be deported to Canada and oh, Ryan Reynolds, you're going to face this like $250,000 fine and five years in federal prison. So like they've got a weekend to get their shit together and learn all about each other, which is perfect timing because Ryan Reynolds wanted to go home to a little town in Alaska called Sitka to go to his Gammy's 90th birthday party. AKA Betty White. Mm-hmm. So they go to Alaska, which is actually North Boston. That's where they shot all of this. Is it really? All of the mountains, and you can kind of tell if you watch, all of the mountains were digitally added in in the background, but they're in Boston. They're in Boston. Oh. They're like near Gloucester. They're in North, they're in North Massachusetts. Wow, I had no idea. That's such a good catch. Yeah. So right when they get off the plane, we meet his mother played by Dear Mary Steen, Mary Steenburgen. Steenburgen. Why am I having, Academy, yeah, Academy why am I, award winner, yes. Mary Steenburgen, who- yes. Famously, there's a great article, one of the funniest articles you'll ever read, where <laughs> she, I mean, she seems a bit like a kook, but I love her, where she was like, yeah, one day I didn't know what I was doing, and the next day, all of a sudden, I could write music. And, <laughs> and, just, and that's how she found her love of writing music later in life. And she was almost, like, she wrote some song for some film recently, and there was, like, talk about her getting nominated for another Oscar for that. But wow. there's an article of her talking about how she discovered she could write music, and it's I was dying of laughter as I read it because it's so, it would be like me being like, all of a sudden I found out I could paint or sew or mm -hmm. like fly a plane. You know, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. Fly a plane. I feel like you're just listing things that Michael does until he got to fly a plane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is where we meet um, Betty White and it's, obvious that they've heard about sandy b in the past from ryan reynolds because he's probably always bitching to them uh so let's play her part of her intro because it's really cute margaret is my mom oh hello uh, yeah great so, uh, this is my cami annie pleasure well hello there now do you prefer being called margaret or satan's mistress <laughs> we've heard both ways actually we've heard it lots of ways she's kidding <laughs> oh oh okay <laughs> so, i love it satan's mistress i mean and it's the thing is is like i feel like those lines they can either go two ways they can be really 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 cheesy and bad like just bad or if you have a skilled actor like betty white they actually come off as like believable and endearing. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden like, hey, that's funny. Like it's it's this, it's, you know, it's, oh, I love her. Yeah, it's so great. Um, so they bring everybody back home and they've decided to throw this like sort of small family and friends party. We should also say that where they live is absolutely beautiful. You have to like, you land in Juneau, Alaska, 
and then you get on a little plane to go to Sitka and then you get on a boat to go to like this like little like harbor area and where they've got this giant beautiful gorgeous house right on the water um some money i wouldn't be surprised if there was something illegal going on well well no but as they're driving through town you know because their last name is paxton sandy points out she's like wait your family like owns every local business in this town she had no idea he was rich but it's because he's trying to distance himself from the money in the family and i'm gonna pull a carry i saw how small that town is i saw how jank that town is there is not enough money in that town, in those businesses, to buy that kind of house that they live in. I'm just saying. There are like, <laughs> there are 14 people in that town. That no one is buying that much to get a house like that. But wouldn't you agree that that land and that house, it wouldn't cost that much money there? And that's because who wants to live but in it's Sitka? Still, it's still true, but it still costs a lot to build a house that big. No. Yeah. They could have bought, it may have already been, I'm... We really have switched roles tonight. I had no problem with it. I mean, I don't mind it. I love a big house. It was very picturesque for the film. I'm just saying, I think someone's dealing cocaine. Okay, put a put a pin in that. So at this family party, we, well, we meet two very important people. One is we meet Oscar Nunez from The Office, who plays Ramon, who I love the runner in this movie that Oscar does every gig in town. He's a waiter. He's an exotic dancer. He works at the general store and he's an ordained mis- minister. Another like, another prime example of this town having finance problems because if he needs to have that many jobs, there's not enough people to employ in that town to run the businesses that these families owns, which means they're not making enough money. I don't know. Again, I'm just saying there's a problem. Okay, well, keep pointing it out as you see it. <laughs> Another person we meet at this family party is Gert, who is Ryan Reynolds' ex-girlfriend, played by Malin Ackerman for fans of the comeback. Yeah. It's Juna, Juna, <laughs> baby, baby girl. girl, baby girl, baby girl. Yeah, it's, it's so, incredible. Although her name, her name is like a grandma name. I'm sorry. Yeah, Gert. I Gert. mean, it was the character, like I used to do like the super nerdy character when me and my sister and my cousin used to do like make like radio shows on audio tapes back in the 80s and my name was always Gert um but quick quick fact for those because I know that there are fans of the comeback who listen to this podcast do you know that the band that Juna plays with in the comeback in the episode where Aunt Sassy gets her own episode she does the Yes, she does that. You're doing the dance. Yes. With yeah. when she's wearing the white suede jacket fringe, with fringe. You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, that was actually Malin Ackerman's real band. Um, oh, they're called the Petal Stones. The song is called Free, and you can listen to it on Spotify. You're welcome, everyone. Wow. Well, maybe we should play off this episode to that song. I think I will. Great. Let's do it. I would love that. Um, so at the party, you know, Ryan Reynolds announces that him and Sandy B are engaged. And the first sort of spark that we see between them is, you know, of course, everybody's like, kiss, kiss. And they clink the glasses and all that stuff. And they, you know, like, kiss, even though they're both like so wildly attractive, they're both like, oh, and they kiss. And then they're like, no, like you mean it. And then they like share this kind of tender kiss. And you see like, ooh. And I was like, ooh. But again, they don't actually like, it, nothing turns romantic for another hour, which I respected. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the terrifying moment when the eagle snatches the puppy? Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. Because that disturbed me in a way. But then again, I'm thinking Alaska. They're very much about like, well, it's it's nature. 
I know it was CGI, but I still could not believe that we that it didn't happen off screen, that we actually saw an yeah. eagle dive down, pick up a puppy uh-huh. in its talons and yeah. carry it away. The fact that you know what that thing is called is, well, you've been watching The Staircase, I bet. Oh, I don't believe in the owl theory. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast, y'all. <laughs> I'm sure I said this once on the podcast. I do not believe in the owl theory. I could talk about it. Um, it was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. The 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 eagle. I got really upset, and I'm really glad that the dog was okay. I think that dog was actually played by well, four dogs. Do you think Betty White would be in a movie where a dog would be put in danger? No. Oh, I know it wasn't. Oh, I'm sure Betty had her. I'm sure she had her PETA friends there just because they were hanging Betty's, out with her. And he's just standing there with her arms crossed. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I'm yep. watching. I'm yeah. watching. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah. So anyway, Sandra Bullock, she's of course, like, you know, this big city girl is having a hard time adjusting to like life in Alaska where she's got to like, she's in heels. She doesn't have the right clothes. She's just, she's just very fish out of water, which is frankly me whenever I leave a major city. (laughs) Is it? It really is. I don't adapt. Well, I'm not one of those people that like can understand how I just, I I think it's one of the things that probably Michael and I bonded over most at the beginning is that like, we just don't ever want to be in a place where we have to like, where we can't easily get like Coke. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if I can't at midnight find a place to go get something that I need, I don't want to be there. I also feel like you have to have real good control over your air temperature situation. I do. I do. Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. The place being back. Yeah. I mean, there's so many factors. It's just like, I might as well stay home. Uh, let's see. What do I have left in my notes? Oh, so we talked about the scene where they're like, they accidentally run into each other naked. Again, beautiful choreography. I the really like that Betty scene. Whiteness of this film comes, like you said, about an hour in when things ramp up with the love. Like that's yes. when he becomes a major, major player in this, in this, in this film. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Sandy is softening. She's finally like opening up to Ryan Reynolds, um, uh, Mary Steenburgen and the dad who's played by coach Craig T. Nelson. They make this big announcement where they're like, Hey, we actually want Sandy and Ryan to get married here at the house tomorrow. And they're like, Oh no, we don't want to take attention away from Gammy on her 90th birthday. Uh, and then here's what Gammy has to say about that. That's, yeah. you know, that's... I've had 89 birthday parties. I don't need another one. Oh. oh, it would be a dream come true for me to see my one grandchild's wedding. A dream come true. Mm-hmm. So you'll do it? Mm-hmm. Before I'm dead? Okay, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's we... the awkward laugh. It's I love awkward. the way everybody laughs way too hard. I cannot um, wait. I mean, I don't want to die anytime soon, but I do look forward to the day where I can be that old person where I can joke about dying in a, such an uncomfortable way and have it be sort of like my bit. You know what I mean? My, oh, then you love my dad. He's 77. He does it every day. I call him every day uh to make sure he's alive um i got him at one of those like i've fallen and i can't get up things he like loses it all the time but i call him and he picks up the phone and i go like hey how's it going he goes i woke up didn't i and i'm like oh, okay it's so, so yeah he does that that's his whole thing um loves to talk about dying um <laughs> anyway <laughs> 
so we should mention that with this scene, um, Betty White at the end rushes out and she's going like, oh, this is so, so great. We must give thanks. We must give thanks. Um, which leads to a scene that I forgot about that this scene existed in this movie. So good. It's so good. So the, it leads to Sandra Bullock discover going for a bike ride to clear her head and she discovers Betty White uh, wearing like tribal garb and chanting to Mother Earth. Yeah. She's doing like, a, like an earth dance thing. Yes. And she's, I think we have a clip for that as well. Go now, Come to me, Margaret of New York. Is I, Grandma Annie. Oh, I see you are a curious one. Come, see how I give thanks to Mother Earth. You know, actually, uh, I'm, I'm not that curious. I'm just... Look around you. Mother Earth has provided all this, just as she brought you and Andrew together to be joined. Oh. We must give thanks and ask that your loins be abundantly fertile. Come, dance with me in celebration. You know, can I can I just uh, thank her from here? I'll just. I insist. Okay. 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 I'm a, I will. I'll come down and dance with you. I I just it's one of those. It's one of those. This is what's interesting to me. Whenever a television actor, who especially an actor who is so known for sitcoms, I mean, to the point where it's almost jarring to see them in a movie. It's like a you just you just don't expect it. You know. They often rely on an ensemble cast. They they rely on a lot of an actors around them to push a scene forward. That they, they, they might drive a scene, sure, but they have four other actors that can work with them and do it. In this scene, it's literally just Betty White and Sandra Bullock in the woods, and this is all Betty at almost ninety years old, basically like chanting and holding her own against an Oscar winner who is like the star of the film, and yet we're focused on Betty White. It, it was it was a very funny scene. I will also say, you know, obviously, you know, Betty White is a, you know, non-Native American actor. But I know that in the, you know, doing these, you know, chants and these dances and uh, but I think at some point in the movie, she mentions that her either mother or father was a member of like the local tribe in the area. Um, so I feel like they were at least trying to like, even in 2009, address that, that like to try to go like, we hope that this is okay, well, that Betty's doing this. I mean, from what I know about, cause there's a great film that I saw, I think called Big Eden or Big Something, where it was about an Alaskan film about a gay guy who goes home to Alaska after like getting out of a horrible relationship in New York. And they talk about how in Alaska, there is this sort of sense of like, there, I mean, of a lot of different types of people participating in native rituals. And it's a part of the healing process. It's part of a lot of things that happen mm -hmm. in certain areas of certain communities and, and et cetera in mm -hmm. Alaska. So I don't, it's not like out of the realm of possibility that someone who had been in that state their entire life, who's nearing 90 years old, would have been influenced by native culture in, in that state in the way that Betty White's character probably did. But what's great about this scene is that after sort of Betty White sort of gets Sandra Bullock to come in, Sandra then does, this is the best thing. At the beginning of the scene, you're like obsessed with Betty in it because it's so weird and it's so silly and it's so dumb. And then Sandra Bullock sort of switches roles with Betty and Betty becomes the normal one and Sandra becomes the weird one in that. Yeah, because she starts singing Lil John's Get Low. Yeah. Like, but it, it's funny at first because it starts off very like a appropriate. She's just going like, 
to the window, to the window, to the wall, to the wall. And you're like, oh, okay. But then like the music kicks in and she like really yeah. starts like dirty dancing. And it's really, really fun. It's it was a, really, it was a fun scene. It's so fun. I love it. And this is the part of the film, I think, where Sandy's character starts to really change. And you see Betty White's role in that change with her. She's the one who is kind of softening Sandra Bullock's character up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, again, because, like, you know, Sandra Bullock, she said that her parents died when she was 16. And, um, you know, I think just between, like, Betty and Mary Steenburgen, like, taking her out and doing things with her, like, taking her um, to get, uh, you know, taking her to kind of like a little bachelorette party where Oscar Nunez is stripping. And then they take her. Go ahead. Catch at the strip party when uh Sandra Bullock walks out of the street yes. and yes. with Gert and they're talking out and in the background you see this faint like like Betty White just getting it on silhouette of Betty Nunez. White yeah, yeah <laughs> with Oscar Nunez it's so fun I love it um can we talk about the wedding dress yes so Betty White Gammy brings out this wedding dress that was hers and her mother's and her grandmother's whatever and uh she's uh you know she's passing it down to Sandra Bullock um I have a question to ask about the dress afterwards but we can let's let's play the clip and then we'll talk about the dress wow incredible maybe a tad uh, loose in certain areas but otherwise oh sorry I'm a bit chesty to begin with and I happen to be knocked up when I wore this <laughs> oh let's see if we can find your boobs they're in there somewhere <laughs> they are this is like an easter egg huh? <laughs> maybe they shrunk up in the cold Alaskan air <laughs> oh there they are that, yes it would be oh so good. I feel like that was the scene where you could just really tell you could see the real Sandra Bullock shining through and her adoration yeah. for Betty White. Like she just you could she was so in that moment. I feel like some of that, you know, some of their like, you know, banter was like just them kind of doing little bits with each other, but it felt like they were they genuinely enjoy each other and well, it's, it's one of the things that i love about sandra bullock the most i think is that like she is genuinely very funny she's very mm -hmm. good at comedy she's she's a natural she's a lot like a young betty white in a lot of ways in that she gets the 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 excitement over seeing someone like her be flirtatious or be mean or be whatever it is like she gets that it she understands that role reversal in character very much like betty white did with sue ann nivens because if you see betty white in any interview after she was mary tyler moore she would always work in maybe a flirt or like a a body thing or like mm -hmm. something sassy and and sandra bullock does the exact same thing in a lot of interviews i mean there's a great we often will youtube uh sandra bullock and just the whole cast of interviews from oceans 12 and it's it's just i did some of those they're so good and they're so mm -hmm. funny and it's and you see that humor but what i love about sandra bullock is that unlike a lot of comedic actresses she is very accomplished and i don't think she deserved her oscar for the blind side i think the blind side's a very uncomfortable film but but it's it's a good film but it's it's awkward tropes um but gravity she's incredible in gravity my favorite sandra bullock movie the net I love the, oh, net. the net. People sleep on the Sandra net. Sandra Bullock at Angela a just click clacking Angela at a Chase. loud computer. Oh, so 
so good. So good with the hard drive and the little floppy disks and everything. Mm -hmm. Incredible. So I think Sandra Bullock is one of those actors that like is sort of one of the last great big movie stars. You know what I mean? The ones that like, like a, like a George Clooney or like a Julia Roberts, Denzel Washington, like those Mm -hmm. actors, Will Smith, even that are like, they're just so big that they're known for their global movie stars. Yeah. And it's, it's really kind of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun. It is. I will also say Sandra Bullock. I think the first thing I saw her in was probably it's like 1991 or 1992. She had a small role as kind of a shy, aspiring country singer in the thing called Love with River Phoenix oh, and yes. Samantha Mathis. Yes. Um, I think Dermot Mulroney might be in it. Mm. Um, anyway, but um, yeah, she's she's so great in that and so sweet and wonderful. And I mean, don't get me started on practical magic, but to talk about i know to talk about this wedding dress so it's like satin this kind of like not white it's kind of like a beige color very very pretty a lot of buttons up the back those really like which the color probably has changed over the years you know yes and it kind of has those like a, a slight billowy like forearm part with a tight wrist um and i was gonna ask you obviously once sandy gets it like tailored so it fits her a little bit better which would you rather wear this dress or Dorothy's toilet paper roll dress from when she married Lucas? <laughs> well, if I if, if it's if it's talking about me personally, if Sandra Bullock, I think, could pull off either look. To of be course. Honest, I think she would look great in the toilet paper dress. I think she would look fantastic, actually, in it. Um, maybe if it was like an 80s flashback and she had like teased hair and stuff with the toilet, it would be fantastic look. Uh, but I think I would personally, I would look better in the toilet paper dress than this satiny dress because I feel like it would, even if I'm wearing shapewear, it would show everything I don't necessarily want to show. It's a, it would be, it's, you have to be very, you have to have a Sandra Bullock body and we saw Sandra yeah. in the film. So like you have to have that perfect body to wear something that like unforgiving in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's definitely, I was thinking about that. It would, you wouldn't be able to hide no. anything under there. Yeah. Oh, my cellulite, you're going to mm. see every dimple. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. You. Plus, you get toilet paper when you have to go to the bathroom, I guess. Yeah, which is always handy. Always handy. So I know we just played a Betty White clip. Um, Who cares? I literally Let's more. The, the, I know. Well, last week's episode suffered from any BW, not enough Betty White. So like I really wanted to make sure that we had plenty of clips. Yeah. Um, so in the next scene, she gives Sandra Bullock um a necklace uh at, as Sandra Bullock's wearing the wedding dress. And I just I wanted to play this one. I actually teared up listening yeah. to it. I hope I don't right now, but it remind it reminded me of a monologue that we would see on the Golden Girls. So I just wanted to make sure everybody could hear it. And also, this is the scene that we were referencing earlier in the episode that we talked about how it's comparable to that scene in While You Were Sleeping. So if you're a fan of that film, you'll also get that feeling from this. Now, just one special touch and you're ready. It's been in the family for more than 150 years. Oh, Annie, it's, it's beautiful, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not finished. Oh, my great-grandfather gave it to my great-grandmother when they got married. They were quite a scandal, you know. He was Russian and she was Clinkett. And back then, you had to get approval from every member of the tribe before you got married. Mm-hmm. I almost broke them up. Well, how did they stay together then? She was a lot like you, tough, 
wouldn't take no for an answer. She was good for him. I want you to have it. I can't. I, can't, oh, I, can't I don't want to hear it. I, I, it's I, I, you. Grandmothers love to give their stuff to their grandchildren. It makes us feel like we'll still be part of your lives even after we're gone. Take it. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's It, it, it gets you. It's the music, too. And I think, like, because my own grandmother, who she's no longer with us, I miss her so much. She was so cool. But, like, I have, I drink out of her mugs every day. Oh. I've got some of her Mickey Mouse dolls for a little Oreo. On my Christmas tree behind me, I've got some of her ornaments that she crocheted by hand. And a little, like, she used to have these Christmas villages with lights. I have one piece. It's like a flower shop. I have one piece of her, like, 80. And, like, all these things that, yeah, I, I have out all the time so that I always have. I have, like literally like magnets that she crocheted oh. I, I always have things of her everywhere I didn't get any of these things until after she passed away but like but hearing her say that 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 you know as and again it's the music it tugs at your heartstrings but to say like as a grandmother I want you to have things like to remember me by it just because I associated that with my own grandma so much it was like I really I got choked up I, did. I have to admit it's one of those things the things that doesn't necessarily choke me up because I like, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I did not have any necessarily good relationships with my grandparents. Um, but I always get it with like the dad son sort of things. I have no relationship with my father. So it's sort of that, yeah. like, that kind of storyline always gets me. But what I love about this is that what, well, well, first off, what scene from the golden girls did it remind you of? It didn't, not necessarily a scene. Um, it just reminded me of, the and maybe it was more just the feeling like when Betty White does like the the birthday cake monologue yeah um yeah. it just kind of reminded me of one of those like or like I could see it as a moment between Sophia and Dorothy where you know Sophia is like giving all this stuff away to her grandkid and like so Dorothy doesn't yeah. know why and she thinks Sophia is doing it for another reason and she tells her why she's doing it it just kind of reminded me it's just like such a simple sentiment of like you know for when we're gone I want you to have this to remember me by and even I think there was an episode of the Golden Girls where Sophia um was she putting together like she's putting together like a yeah. a book or something you know what I mean it's like like those types of things what I loved about this scene well of course the two of them together I think are just so good but in a weird way I think like Sandra Bullock's performance in the scene really blows me away in that it's that sort of you know there's no dialogue really on her end except to be sort of like whatever but because we've spent all this time with this character and we know this character's motives and we know the stakes for this character and we know everything as a writer I get off on this scene because it's that perfect combination between writer and actor in that we've we've led up to this moment with this character and this is her breaking point yeah. this is the moment where she knows the jig is up she can't do that she can't right? do it anymore and, and it's that emotional unsaid thing because she can't say it that's the great thing and that's what's so great about Sandra Bullock we still we felt that in in uh while you were sleeping as well she can't say it the whole time you're just wanting her to say it and she can't say it because she needs it so much and in this movie what's great about it is the character has been so ornery and so like unlikable in a lot of ways and then when they get to this point where you know that they need this they need this family they need mm. this grandma they need him you know that it's the stakes are so high and it's just you're with the character and it's just perfect it's it's like it's cinema it's just it's the power of movies in a way 
It's yeah, it's so beautiful. And so later she says something that, and I think this is what she was feeling in that moment. Um, and this is, and you know, a couple scenes down, she, you know, they're, they're about to get married. She's at the wedding. She admits to everybody that what she did was wrong and she, that she was blackmailing him. And she says, it's hard to ruin someone's life when you realize how wonderful they are. Yeah. And, and she was talking about him. She was talking about his family and this idea that like, you know, she's never had family and these people have welcomed her into their life, into their home. Um, but yeah, after the scene with the necklace, like she, yeah, she has a freak out. Yeah. She takes off in the boat with Ryan Reynolds. She's like just pushing it all the way up to as fast as the boat can go. And I was like, oh, we're, it's like we're watching Speed 2 Cruise Control, except the <laughs> boat's actually going faster. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's really, really great. And she's freaking out. And then she falls in the water and, you know, she can't swim and he saves her. And um, I did think that it was sweet. Uh, when we actually get to the wedding, that Betty was the one walking her down the aisle. Yeah, yeah. it was so sweet. So, so yeah. At, at the she gets to the front in front of his friends and family and admits to everybody what happened. She takes all of the blame, which I really liked. She was like really an adult about it, and she kind of walks out with the, um, the INS agent or whatever he is. I forget what he does. Oh yeah, the uh, Craig T. Nelson had like invited the INS agent to the yeah. wedding, whatever. Because he, we, they got a whole side. So him and Ryan Reynolds, whatever. He sucks. Um, <laughs> I know. So the thing about what Sandra Bullock did, like, I know she can give the necklace back, which is great because that should stay in the family. But like, she did get the dress tailored to fit her. Yeah. So like, uh, like you can't take that back, Sandy. Yeah. Um. So. So another a moment I want to talk about. So she so she runs out. Ryan Reynolds chases after her. But by the time he reaches the room, he finds only a wedding dress like laid out on the bed. And I'm not joking for a split, a hair of a second. I was like, wait a second. Did she get raptured? Because like <laughs> I didn't, it didn't seem like she had enough time to run into that room. What a plot twist. <laughs> undo a million buttons oh, yeah. on that dress by herself. Take the dress off. Lay it neatly on the bed. Maybe get the INS agent helped her. Away. Help if you just, if you watch that scene, just look at it through that lens. Because like the way it was laid out, I was like, oh my gosh, she was fucking raptured. But Ryan Reynolds knows, Ryan Reynolds knows that he needs to go after her. That he needs to stop her from doing this. And mm -hmm. it causes... He doesn't know how he's going to do it, but somebody has a plan that we don't know about yet, but she has a plan, right? Yes. How much of it do you want to, I don't know where the clip is that you pulled. Well, okay, yeah, so so how much up. do you want to so, set up? So Betty White, she's seeing all this commotion and she knows, she knows, I mean, we don't know this yet, but she, she, well, she has heart pains and they're going to get her to the hospital. They're going to fly her from the island where they live or wherever they're living to a hospital. So they get on their plane and on the plane, Betty White, she has the little breathing thing on and she's she has to say one last thing to Ryan Reynolds and his, his dickhead father to get them to make amends. And this is the clip that I told Carrie. She didn't pull this clip, but I was like, this is my favorite scene. I don't care that it's a minute and a half. I want it. We need it. So enjoy. This is Betty White's Oscar performance. You two need to stop fighting. You'll never see eye to eye. But your family. Promise me you'll stand by Andrew 
even if you don't agree with it. I promise. Ever. Promise me you'll work harder to be a part of this family. I will. I will, Kathy. Well, then. The spirits can take me. I guess they're not ready for me. I'm feeling much better, Sonny. No need to take us to the hospital. Take us to the airport, please. Well, what are you faking the heart attack, right? Come on, come on. Well, it was the only way I could get you two to shut up and get us to the airport. Damn, you know we're not authorized to take you to the airport. Larry Ferris, don't make me call your mother. Got it. <laughs> How great of a scene is that? I. He saves the movie. I, again, this was the first time I had seen this. When she closed her eyes and they were like, Gammy, I was like, oh man, she died. And Sandra Bullock is going to show up at the funeral where like she avoided deportation and she's going to get in trouble and they're going to have to do it the hard way now. But she didn't care because she needed to be there for that family. That's where I thought that was going. And I was like, I cannot watch Betty White pass away in this tiny plane with Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> That's why I was so glad when the music was but Mary like, Steenburgen could write a song about it. I know. That's why I was so glad when the music was like, bum, 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 and it got all uppity. And I was like, oh, thank goodness she's alive. Um, That's a good. I laugh so hard every time I watch it. It's such a good moment because Betty's delivery is so like, okay, I'm better. Like it's such a Sophia thing to mm-hmm. do. It is. Oh, it was such a Sophia thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A good moment. And when I said at the beginning of this episode, when we're this like, this gives you every Betty White that you want. I meant it. She's 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 Dorothy. She's Blanche. She's Sophia. She's she's all of them in this movie. Mm-hmm. She like it's every version of Betty. <laughs> Uh, it was it was so great. So then uh, so Ryan. So then it's like back to Sandra Bullock at the office and she's like packing up everything in her office and everybody. It's kind of like they're all being like looky lose rubberneckers, like trying to get a peek at her packing up her office, yada, yada. Yeah. And she comes out and Ryan Reynolds is there um, and they have this like really sweet moment that was like not super cheesy, like it was it was really great it was just it was perfect for their relationship and yeah. the the one thing that i loved he said um marry me because i'd like to date you oh and i really liked that because again they acknowledge that like even though they've known each other for three years they've really only been getting to know each other for three days yeah. and and in terms of their relationship being on a more like romantic level, that's brand new. Yeah. So I like that they were, and I feel like I said this about um, Stealing Christmas with Tony Danza and Leah Thompson. I felt like in this movie, their relationship was, it actually felt very real, which I feel like as a writer for these types of movies where you have limited time to kind of to get to know it. these characters like they they really nailed it and um and i i really appreciated it that's basically the movie there's a cute end scene and credit scene where everyone kind of goes and talks to the ins agent and they like have this back and forth and i don't believe betty was in it i was kind of bummed about that yeah she wasn't but well we should say the movie actually ends with 
the INS agent sitting across from them being like, okay, wait, so let me get this straight. You were faking it, but now you're not, and you are going to get married. And they were like, yep. And he's like, okay, uh, let's do this. Are you ready? And then it just kind of ends where like, ooh, you don't know if they're going to pass or fail. Because the thing is, is if they fail, Sandra Bullock is going to be deported yeah. back to Canada. But, but then when you're in love, he'll make it work. <laughs> but what's funny is that when you watch that end credit scene, it's basically the INS agent interviewing Oscar Nunez. He's interviewing um, Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds. They're getting so many questions wrong about each other. It felt like so much of that was improvised. It was so much of that was improvised. It's you not, could it tell. Was so fun it was so watch. great. But they were getting so many questions wrong. And I'm watching it. I'm going like, oh, no, she's going to be deported and he's going to go to prison. Yeah, no, no, he's fine. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It's such a this movie is one of, like I said, my favorite rom-coms. It's one of my favorite Betty White moments. It's I think it's even though I don't think it was her last credit. I think she had a few things after this. It it it's such a wonderful send off to remember Betty too, because this is certainly the last big thing she did. And it's it's just so heartwarming to see, you know, that like this is what we get to remember Betty for, in addition to the many other great things. But the fact that newer audiences, like younger people, probably saw this and didn't know Betty White and they loved the grandma mm -hmm. in this for that reason. And maybe then they were introduced to the Golden Girls. And then who knows, maybe they found our podcast. But it's like, it's it's kind of, I love that. I love that she spans all of those generations from my grandparents' generation watching her mm -hmm. in the 50s to my niece and nephew probably discovering her from the proposal or whatever it is. Like, it's... Yeah. It's 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 just a real a real wonder. To see. Was Hot in Cleveland before this? Hot in Cleveland, I think, was during this. During, um, I could be wrong. Let me look that up real quick. But no, she she didn't have many other credits after this because she kind of stopped these the past. You know, Hot in Cleveland was actually actually Hot in Cleveland was uh, for five years after this. So Hot, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because so I feel like Hot in Cleveland was kind of her last big. I, for some big reason, thing. I thought Hot in Cleveland was like in the mid aughts. I don't know any dates these days. Um. I'm just excited to talk about Hot in Cleveland one of these days. I know. We're going to have to do a few episodes of Hot in Cleveland. Yeah, we will. Be for sure. Yeah. But should we take a break and come back with our golden takeaway? Yes, we should. We are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or, or, or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what's your GT? My GT is, I feel I'm a little torn because my golden takeaway was going to be that the movie, the setting of the movie was so beautiful in such a Nancy Myers movie way that I was like, damn, man, I want to go to Alaska. Hmm. Alaska is beautiful. And I would still like to go to Alaska, but I was like, hang on a tick. I'm from Massachusetts. Next time I go home, I could just drive, <laughs> drive to Sitka. Yeah. And yeah. I would just have to imagine those beautiful mountains. I'll just have to bring little Oreos like Bob Ross book and hold the mountains up in the background. But, um, but yeah, I was like that. It was so beautiful. So yeah. I feel like I'm either going to take a trip to Alaska or I'm going to just drive to Northern Massachusetts next time I'm visiting my family. I have a similar golden takeaway in that I don't, like I said earlier, I have no sort of ambition to go to small towns or discover nature or anything like that. I don't, I, I'll look at it. I like to look at it, 
but I like to look at it from the comforts of having 24-7 amenities. So I think, even though I have said on this podcast many times that cruises freak me out, which is basically when the Golden Girls cruise happened, everyone was like, are you guys going? Are you guys going? And I was like, I can't. It just freaks me out. I think cruises are kind of gross. But if I were to go to Alaska, it would be on a cruise. And I would see the beautiful Alaska like coastline and all of the beautiful villages while knowing at nighttime I will have a buffet and a soda machine that gives me anything I want 24-7. That's also included because it's a part of the cruise package. That's how you get that Coke and that controlled room temperature. Yeah, exactly. So I can Mm -hmm. go out during the day and take pictures like I'm actually experiencing nature, knowing that by probably 5 p.m. when it's time to get back on the boat, I get back on and everyone's like, why didn't you take any pictures of Alaska at night? And I'm like, well, it's light there 24-7, so I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's always sunny. (laughs) So no one's going to know that I'm on a boat at nighttime. Also, it just dawned on me when you said, why aren't you taking pictures of Alaska at night? I was like, Alaska Thunderfuck. Now I'm picturing you taking photos in Alaska with Alaska. Well, we should do that someday. There is a great, I have a friend, um, a great, great, great drag king. His name's uh, Tenderoni. And he has gone to Alaska to perform drag, to do drag before, which blew me away when they told me that. And so I think Alaska Thunderfuck, Tenderoni and I can go to Alaska to then do drag and take pictures in Alaska. I'd go for that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be really fun. Yeah. Wow. So fun. Well, that's the episode. Wow. Everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year. Year. This has been another episode of Out on the Lanai. Thank you all so much for being along this golden journey with us. Mm, Yes, it has been so much fun. And guys, if you want to, you know, listen to us more, you can go on the hoo-ha-ha and check out everything they're doing. And you can follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, Out on the Lanai official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook, and I'm H. John Scott slash Sadie Pines on everything. And I'm Squizzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get the podcast because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. And if you're still listening, which I feel like a lot of people stop listening at this point, but if you yeah. are still listening, stick around because we're going to play that song from Juno. I don't even remember what the song was called. What, what baby, it's what, called what baby song? Free, Free by the pedal stones. You're going to have to text me that. But yes, so guys, love that song. And as always, remember, stay stay golden golden and dance like Aunt Sassy. (laughs) I'm doing it with a koosh ball in my hand. See, I got my like koosh. Very 90s. The Rosie O'Donnell show, yeah. Yes. Um. (laughs) Free, free.